Thank you, thank you, worship team. Appreciate y'all. Nicely done. Hey, Kelly. Well, hey, uh, before we get into the message this morning, I just want to say that, you know, I, I love that the body of Christ is so broad, is so diverse. It's made up of so many different people and different kinds of folks, and, and the body of Christ reflects to uh, us what that family of God looks like. Uh, and here at Hope, um, uh, in the preaching on Sunday mornings, if you've been around at all, you notice that we, we try to value having different voices um, speaking and doing the messages, including um, making space for the voices of, of women in preaching, which we believe is something that is supported in scripture. And uh, having women speak is, and I'm actually kind of feeding back a little, Chris. Um, thanks, man. Uh, uh, it's, it's something that we wanted, I want to make sure we do more often. Um, and so this morning, you're in for a real treat. Uh, Anna Gregory has been working on a message for weeks that I know is going to, to encourage and inspire you. And so I want to give you a little background on Anna. I've known her since she was just a baby. Uh, her dad, Dr. Joe, is uh, one of my closest friends and allies, although... I'm still working on forgiving him for, um, for moving from Arizona to Montana 10 years ago. I'm working on it. I'm working on it, Joe. He's probably watching on the stream. Um, but even though they live in Montana, we've stayed close with their family. And so I've still got to watch Anna grow up and, and seeing God's hand on her, on her life. Uh, she's not even 20 years old yet. She will be next Saturday. Saturday. So almost, yes. Coming up. Happy birthday. Um, but she is full of courage. <clears throat> one example of many, I could give many, but one of, example of her courage is how at the age of 17 um, in Butte, Montana, where their family lives, she was the leader of a ministry to reach women and girls who were being trafficked and who worked in strip clubs. Uh, and, and her and the ministry she was leading, they, they wanted to make sure that these girls and women knew and experienced the truth of God's unconditional love for them. <clears throat> Very courageous. Um, she's also already led women's retreats, women's ministries in Montana, and so I'm really uh, proud of my little sister, Anna, and so will you give her a warm Hope Covenant family welcome this morning. Wow. What a trip, right? I'm going to grab this chair real quick. Forgive me. I got it. Yeah. All right. So, um, wow, just the process of writing this sermon has been so big, like bigger than I expected it to be, like um, from like not only a physical standpoint of like the writing and talking to a bunch of people and trying to figure all that out, but from a spiritual standpoint, it's been rough. Like, my last couple of weeks have just been like kicks in the gut, you know? But um, what made it really tolerable and what reminded me of God's presence with me in this process was actually the people around me who were supporting me and helping me. And so I, I have this thing, I wrote it right here, actually while we were worshiping. I wrote it on my Connect card. Um, which I know Doug and Heidi said that they were going to stop talking to you about the Connect card, but that doesn't mean that I can't. So fill out your Connect card. Um, so I just wanted to thank God first for creating this message in me 
and also just using my life in a really phenomenal way to bring to you today. And also to Doug and Heidi for letting me live in their home and for their mentorship um, in, and their investments in my life that they've made not only this year, but just over the past many, many years. And I have to thank my mom and dad as well, because they take up a large part of this sermon as well. <laughs> and then I got to thank Pastor Jim, because I was just bouncing ideas off of him a lot, and it was just really important for me to have someone who was like, who could connect to my human experience and just say, I get it. Like, that was so needed to have an encourager like Jim. And then for Troy, for using songs in the worship um, that fits with my theme today that we're going to get into. And then Erin made my slides, and just her feedback was just phenomenal, and I just needed some directness of what I could pull off today. And then, um, you know, Pastor Will, he was giving me feedback and supporting me, um, and, and Brittany, her support and her just refreshing excitement, you know, um, I just needed a lot of people, and that's the essence of community, right? Is that God puts everybody in the right place at the right time and gives us what we need through others. So anyway, yeah, my name is Anna, but it has not always been. Um, I just want to ask, how many people in this room today are adopted? Two people. <laughs> Three people, okay. Wow. Um, well, I just want you to know that we actually, we can all have our hands up. Like, that's totally okay, um, because we're all adopted by Christ. And now, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. Like, the, the concept of biblical adoption is not very orthodox. It's not taught, and so we may not know that. But that is actually where our journey begins today. What does it mean to be adopted by God? And I have a really unique take on this because I'm adopted. And today I'm sharing my adoption story from my parents, Michelle and Joe's perspective. Since I wasn't there for all the details. And um, so this is just the story of my adoption from, and my mom and dad actually worked really hard on it. They wrote it together, they relived it, and wrote it down, and then they sent it to me so I could read it to you today. So... Let's begin. Once upon a time, in a faraway forest, there lived a little bunny princess. And on the other side of the world, there lived a mommy and a daddy bunny. The mommy and daddy knew that their family wasn't complete, so they traveled across the ocean into the forest where they found their bunny princess and brought her home so she could be part of their family. I don't remember how many times I told Anna that bedtime story and how over the years I added more details. But this is so much more than a bedtime story. This is a God story. In early 2001, our family took a road trip to see family in Tucson. We put in a sermon tape from Gary Kinneman entitled, You Never Know Where the Road of Life is Going to Take You. And when it was over, we chuckled at the catchy phrase and then didn't think about it. Once in a while, we would remind each other of the sermon, especially when something unexpected came up, but that was about it. In mid-2001, Joe asked me what I thought of having another child. The question caught me by surprise because I'd thought our family was complete. Brandon and Josh were seven and five, and they kept me really busy. 
and I didn't think I had the energy to take care of one more kid. Joe said he wasn't dissatisfied with our family, but he thought it would be nice to have a daughter. And over the next two weeks, friends in our small group asked us to pray for a couple they knew who were adopting two children from Russia. A friend asked me if we were going to have more children. Joe mentioned that he'd seen a note in our church's newsletter about an international adoption meeting in September and wanted to go. We weren't sure if those things were from God or just random, but we decided to attend the meeting to get more information about what we had been hearing. It was set for September 11th, 2001. We stayed home that night, but there was another meeting set for October 9th. So we continued to pray that month in between. And somewhere in the middle of this, I remembered that in the spring of 2001, I'd asked God to show me a vision for our family. I told Joe, and he said something along the lines of, when you ask God a question like that, you should really let me know. <laughs> and the words adopt and adoption came up a lot. Pastor Gary talked about his brother adopting from Russia. We heard that someone in Doug's family had adopted from Russia. A friend sent me a poem about adoption. I read an article in the paper about adoption. And the same day, a close friend mentioned a couple she'd met on a cruise who had adopted. A few days later, I was reading a book, and the author told a story about a family she knew who had adopted. So on October 9th, I said yes to God. I would do whatever he wanted. So we attended the meeting held by Hand in Hand International Adoption Agency and thought we would adopt from Ukraine because some friends had adopted from there. And I left the meeting thinking that this was something we could do. Two days later, I woke up in a panic and asked myself, what are we doing? And so Joe and I did a lot of soul searching. I did a lot of praying and crying out to God. This would change the dynamic of our family. Were we really doing the right thing? Was this God's idea or our own idea? And God answered that question with a book I'd been reading by Elizabeth Elliot called A Lamp for My Feet. So many things I read in it pertained to our situation, but this one really struck me. If it were not for uncertainties, we would have no need to walk by faith. A week later, I was doing yard work and I heard God asking me, would you do this to rescue Brandon and Joshua? Of course, I said. Then do it to rescue a daughter you haven't met yet. I knew this wasn't really a rescue, but I also knew God was giving me a choice to go way outside of my comfort zone. In that moment, I said yes, because I was already starting to love the idea of another child. I really wanted a daughter. Near the end of October, I went to hand in hand for the first two or three paperwork days. A few days after that, Margot, the lady handling our adoption, told me that we should consider adopting from Russia because they were having some problems with adoptions from Ukraine. So sometime in December, Sonia at Hand in Hand said that our assigned social worker wanted to set up a time to do our home study. Joe told her that we didn't have any of the funds yet, but she said we could go ahead with the study anyway, and we started to panic because even though God kept telling us we had the money, we couldn't see it. During a worship service, Joe remembers that he kept asking God where the money would come from. And God said, it's already there. And when Joe asked where, he was reminded of two IRAs that he could cash in. 
As soon as we committed that money, most of the funds started to come in. My grandmother contributed a large amount because she said she'd always wanted to adopt a girl, but never had the money or the opportunity. The leaders of our small group, small group, shameless plug, get into small of a small group. <laughs> the leaders of our small group surprised us with a large donation. Many other friends also helped. One of Joe's associates gave him $500 because she said we were doing a good thing. With the home study and most of the paperwork out of the way, it was time to wait. We heard from a lot of people, including our hand-in-hand -hand ladies, that it could take up to a year to hear anything more. However, three months later, on March 12th, Sonia called to say we'd been certified by the state of Arizona to adopt and that our information had been sent to Vronezh, Russia, for translation. We knew that this could be the first of many petitions and that if the Vronezh orphanage didn't approve us, that Hand in Hand would send it to other regions until one of them approved. Thirteen days later, Margot calls me and goes, Mrs. Gregory, I have a picture of a little girl from Vronezh. I rushed to Hand in Hand with my sons to see the picture. It had been taken January 22, 2002. Margot said she would available, be available April 12th for adoption and we would have to go there to accept. Margot also told us that we wouldn't get any videos because this region did not send videos. And the next day, Margot calls and says, Mrs. Gregory, I have a video of a little girl from Vronezh. And again, I rushed with the boys to hand in hand. The orphanage had given us a five-minute video and told us the girl's name was Ina. I gave the video to our pediatrician to look over, and he said he couldn't see any problems with her. We had heard stories about international kids having all kinds of strange medical problems when they came home, but we knew she would be okay. Two days later, on April 14th, Joe and I flew to Moscow. We had no chance to rest because our driver immediately put us on an overnight train to Vronezh. April 16th, we had our first visit with our daughter. Joe remembers how fascinated she was with him, and the orphanage workers said that she had never seen a man before, and we could not get over how blue her eyes were. We might have had two visits with her. Whatever we had, it was too short. We signed papers to show we were serious about adopting her, and then took the train to Moscow. As I got on the plane to go home, I was heartbroken that I had to leave her there. It was just as hard as it had been to leave our boys to go to Russia. We didn't know when we would get to return to officially adopt her. We'd heard stories it could be another few months. In May, about three weeks after we'd gotten home from the first trip, we were on another plane headed back to Moscow. We landed and our driver put us on the train to Vronezh. We stayed in a, ho uh, in a hotel across the street from the courthouse and Joe spent a lot of time praying for the court hearing. It's the first time Joe remembers walking with God for an extended period of time. And we'd heard that the hearing could last for hours. And the judge asked us a few questions, and then we officially changed Ina's name to Anna. From the time we entered the courtroom to the time the judge made the decision was 15 minutes. They'd never heard of such a short court time. So our adoption agent told our driver about it, and he asked if the judge knew what he was doing. After a day of signing papers and giving gifts, we officially adopted our daughter on May 21st, 2002. There's typically a 10-day waiting period in which the adoption can be reversed, 
but the officials accepted our petition to waive it, which was a miracle in and of itself. And the next day, we were on the train to Moscow. We experienced many miracles on our way home. Our time at the U.S. Embassy to get Honest Passport took 45 minutes instead of the many hours we'd expected. We flew from Moscow to London, and from London to New York City, we arrived at 2 a.m. in New York. People had said that our exit interview with U.S. Customs could take three to four hours, but they let us leave after 30 minutes. When we look back, we can see God's favor and timing in all of it, even from the beginning. We never could have imagined the journey God was going to take us on to bring this bunny family together. So in case we aren't together on this, I'm Anna. <laughs> that was the story that my mom and dad wrote for me to speak. And this is why I said earlier that I have a pretty good idea and definition of adoption. And to read that story that my mom and dad wrote, um, well, they lived and then they retold it, um, it makes me feel so treasured and, and loved you know, and, and wanted, not only by my parents, but by God, like how far God went for me. And again, what we were talking about of like God putting the right people in the right places, right? Ephesians 1.5 tells us this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So let me get that on an instant replay. What gave God great pleasure? To adopt us, to adopt you, to deliver you from your Russia, whatever that may look like. And so a child coming into the world is a miracle. A child being adopted is a miracle. Long before God even planned on the blueprints for Earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He settled on us as the focus of his love so that we would be made whole and holy by his love. And he decided he was going to adopt us into his royal family, and he wanted you to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. So did you know that you've not only been redeemed from death and sin, but publicly announced to all the angelic hosts as one of God's children? who's more than welcome to sit on his lap any time. When I was a little girl growing up, one of the friends of the family, we call him, his name is Luca, he called me the Russian princess. And after, that was after he'd heard the story of my adoption, you know, and um, I, I hated the name. Oh, I just hated it. I could not stand to be called a princess because I was anything but. I was rough and tumble, eating dirt, probably bugs, and, you know, chasing Pastor Doug's son and his friends around and sometimes throwing toys at my brothers. Like, they said I did that. I don't remember doing it. So take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> but now that I've grown up, I see that I am totally a princess. I'm God's princess. And he has lovingly placed me in a family that I can be myself around. I don't have to fear anything. And if God can do that... For a little girl in a city that no one has ever heard of across the world, why do we doubt the power of our adoption in Christ? 
Like, what more does our father need to do to prove to us that we can talk to him like we were his kid? He sees us. We live for a God who sees. His love sees, his love names, and his love claims. God saw me before I was born, and he sees you. Body and soul, he made you. He stands in awe of what he has accomplished. He knows you inside and out, every bone in your body. He remembers all the details. He remembers the time he spent crafting you. He, he sculpted nothing into something, and now here you are. Like, how crazy is that? All the days of your life were prepared and known before you had even lived through one of them. Before he had even invented a deer or, or, or a dog, he knew, he knew your life. He claimed you as his very own and set into motion the plan to deliver you. So yes, his love sees, his love names, and his love claims. Ina was the name I was given as an infant. And Ina means pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5, 8. Isn't a baby so pure? Like so fresh and warm, having no clue of what this world has to offer them. And God is so rich in kindness to father us through our life, to protect us and guide us and always recommend the next correct move. And he showered us with acceptance and all wisdom and understanding. God is accessible now. Right now. And he loves to help when we ask. He will not rebuke you for asking. Not once. He doesn't see our lack of knowing as, as an opportunity or, or an excuse to shame us or scold us. But instead, he overwhelms our failures with the most generous grace. Anna, my name now, means grace. And Ephesians 2.8 tells us that for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. What comes to your mind when you think of the word graceful? For grace being my name, I do not think of myself. Um, in fact, I tend to think of all the ways that I have not been graceful in the last, like, two weeks, right? Like, spilling guacamole all over myself at snack time, maybe cursing people on the road, tripping over nothing, you know. But we reflect God, and we reflect the goodness of him. We reflect the creativity of our God with our diversity, with our wisdoms, with our personalities, callings and our strengths, they not only draw us closer to our maker, but to our community, right? Our crazy and messed up and, and outcasted siblings that he gave everything to save. We're born into this. Renee is my middle name, and it means reborn. John 1.13 says they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. A definition of the word reborn is revived. God has revived us. He has completely removed death from us. Death is no longer 
the end of life, but it is, it is a victory. It is a reward for a life well lived and the greatest insult to our enemy who wants nothing more than our spiritual death and destruction. So thank you, Jesus, for rebirthing us into our, after our adoption. Like, what a concept. <laughs> How mind-boggling is that, right? Like the love of our Father. He sees this all play out, you know? He desired for my parents to have a new baby, and he made it all happen. He, he rolled out the red carpet, and he said to my parents, follow me, and they did. They faithfully followed the God who rescues. God had a vision to accomplish. There was a family that he had to create by any means necessary. And so isn't it just kind of funny how God gets our attention when he's got a plan in motion, a reoccurring theme or a pattern in our life maybe? For my parents, it was the word adopt or adoption, right? And then the international adoption meeting came up and my mom wrote, we went to get more information about what we'd been hearing. Sometimes it takes that drawing of our mind, that kind of, I need to get to the bottom of this kind of feeling, you know? But you never know how God can use those promptings and those curiosities, those desires to deliver and rescue. That is his heart for us. He moves and shakes for us. And he uses associates and customs, border patrol, translators, judges, taxi drivers, friends, adoption workers, adoption meetings, churches, complete strangers, small groups, anything and everything to get us home, right? He uses everything he can. Everything we let God have access to, he uses. No stone and no life is left unturned in the process of God's adoption. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He moves the hearts of people. When he speaks, all science and logic moves to accomplish whatever God has called into being. And God has called you into being. And he says now of you that no one can pluck you from his hand. It's a done deal. Get used to having him around. He's 100% set on you. Numbers tells us that he is not man and he does not lie. He's not human and he will not change his mind. This is the God that we know. That he would see a baby across the world who can't speak for herself and see the family that was without her and that he would say they need to be together and that he would make it all happen to be so. Putting the right people in the right places. You know, built this plan with each brick laid carefully. Now church, I need you to get this. I need you to hear this. If you hear nothing else, <laughs> this is important. In this same way, he will direct you. He will place you. He will deliver you from your Russia. And he will build you continually. God is a most creative builder. He is a God who carves roads through mountains and he shields us through fire and parts seas that we may cross through. Like we said in the beginning, when you say yes to him, you never know where the road of life might take you. <laughs> and now um, our worship team is gonna lead us with a song, and I just want us to kinda enter in with God right now, and just listen to the words for a few minutes. Is that okay, does that sound good? Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Thank you.
falling 